Hey, hi there. This is, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a two-week pause, uh, almost three. Um, yeah, I mean, so busy. And at the same time, you know, like if you if you know anyone that would like to be a guest to the podcast, it would be quite appreciated. Um, it was... Um, three weeks of me just getting you know like my routine back and you know like so happy that you know i'll be more more regular uh in the future and i've got a few fantastic guests one of which is dave that uh i don't want to spoil any of the uh of the stuff that he shared with me but um he was quite bullied when he bullied when he was uh, younger and you know like i'm 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 just so impatient for you to listen to him um under the pandemic situation, um, I was actually thinking about a way to help one of the local company here in Quebec, Canada. And um, I started thinking about, you know, a place that I visited uh, um, in the past holiday. It was a nice retail clothing store. Uh, the brand was called 9pm. And um, I actually quite enjoyed and quite appreciated, you know, like the, the stuff they had, plus the philosophy that was behind it. Um, 9 p.m. is just that you know like you can you can well both wear uh, their athletic um, clothing both when you're you know training or doing sports and at the same time it's 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 nice enough and and looks good enough so that you can wear it on um, on any casual outing um, you know going out you know like on a date and whatever and they're super comfortable super durable. Um, also, uh, the 9 p.m. means that, you know, like you're giving yourself 100 percent, you know, like even, in a, you know, way past 9 p.m. Um, what I did is that I reached out to them and said, you know, like it would be interesting for us to work together. So um, they've, they've agreed and gave me, you know, somewhat of, a, you know, like um, a, a, like a, a discount for, a, you know, like a code for a discount for my listeners. And so the, the code is 5k run 25 it's five capital k r u n two five five k run 25 and you can find them at 9 pm clothing.com as you i usually don't get any sponsors you know like i i i i have tended to refuse but you know under the circumstances of kind of helping some of my local companies um <clears throat> i may do this once in a while for you know like just to give a hand to the to the to the people that are working hard and i went through a lot of pain and uh yeah so i i will repeat one last time it's called 9pmclothing.com so 9pmclothing.com and the rebate for 25 percent off is actually five capital k r u n 25 um if you're listening to this a bit later, um, it's it's going to be available until June 15, 2020. And uh, yeah, I mean, like I love these guys. You know, like they've been super kind to give me that, you know, like that that rebate code. And um, you may want to take a look out for, um, I guess, by Monday. So the June 8th, you should see... Um, uh, my virtual race taking place and you know like subscription is going to be open by you know like by june 8th so without further ado i'll leave you with dave enjoy Hi Dave, how are you doing? 
I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks. Um, yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> you were just uh, saying this, it's this, 40 uh, degrees. Where, you were just saying that it's 40 degrees where you are. Where are you located? I'm like, um, well, I'm, I'm actually from London in the UK, but I'm uh, in, in lockdown in the Philippines near Manila, just outside Manila. So uh, it's about 30. Well, actually now it's first thing in the morning. So it's probably about 26, 27 degrees at eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> uh, how is the Philippines handling the pandemic situation right now? Um, it's, uh, well, they, they, for, for that part of the world, they do have, for Southeast Asia, they do have um, a high amount of case, um, but it's like nowhere near Europe. Um, so it's about, I think, 5,000 cases and about 300 deaths, but they're still in a strict lockdown, but they've relaxed it a bit from this weekend coming. And but, and and, and uh, you are how are you dealing with it? You know, like, you know, like, uh, well, I'm I'm coping fine. Um, I, a lot of stuff I can do at home, um, and I have a little daughter, so I have to try and keep her busy with a little bit of homeschooling. Um, but uh, yeah, it's keeping me uh, occupied anyway. And um, so so you said you were saying that you you were confined, but they 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 they're, they're implementing some deconfinement in the the, the next week. Yeah, they're opening a few more stores. They completely stopped the transport, if everything, trains, planes and cars, <laughs> automobiles. Um, and uh, so everyone was literally just uh, restricted to only going to the supermarket. You'd, you know, if, if it was a long way from the house, I'd have to walk. Luckily, I've got some form of personal transportation. Uh, but now they're opening a bit and letting a bit of transportation for people to go to work and... Um, that's it really a few more stores open that, that they need uh, you know maybe electrical stores and stuff like that hardware stores so it's just a little bit more relaxed uh, but they're they're saying people under 20 and people over 60 has to stay at home wow and yeah, so. ev everyone's safe and sound yeah I mean yeah I'm, I, in, and there's no real outbreak where, where i am in, uh but um there is in certain parts of manila just as you expect in any busy city um but uh they're, they're trying to keep a lid on it but um, i think canada and new zealand i think canada's doing okay aren't they uh, depends you know like i i think we're hitting our yeah it, it, it today was our 61st day of uh everything stopped all oh, right so it's the same yeah similar two weeks yeah, yeah. so march 13th yeah march 13th was actually you know like when every you know like when the world stopped for us um yeah yeah so you know like they the the i'm what's considered in the grand region of montreal and um they've they've we're not gonna see anything open until pretty much until um may 25th um, there are some stuff like construction workers, um, obviously, you know, like some of the essential services like food and, you know, like some, some others like that, but you know, like the, the, you know, like finding a, a daycare open or finding some what's left of school open. Um, it's not until May 25th, you know, so right, high school, okay, yeah. high school students have been, have, have had their, their year canceled and, uh, yeah. I think college as well. Uh, as far as, you know, like the, the, you know, like the youngster school, uh, they're going to keep like the first, the last few weeks open just for the sake of social, socialization. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, like uh, the the world has stopped for the past sixty one days. But you know, like in That's terms right, of cases, yeah. what, what's what's weird and ironic is that you know, like we um, we actually have, um, I think, pretty much like a, we're on par with Sweden, which had never confinement uh, strict rules. So yeah. it's, you know, like it's such a weird virus that you know, like no one knows what's the good option. You know, like, should we lock people down or should we let people just, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, it, yeah. It, yeah, it's really, really weird. So as I do yeah. every episode, I'm letting you drive your life journeys car and, you know, like, tell me where do we start that? Um, yeah, I mean, we could start from, because the thing is that, um, nothing would really make sense unless I start maybe at my humble beginnings at school. And um, because it's, it's just a bit of a story about being bullied and why, yep. uh, and how I fought back my way of dealing with it. Um, and, um, uh, really just enjoying life the way I enjoyed it, but not realizing what was going on, you know, um, I suppose mentally or emotionally, um, and it, that's just how I'm dealing with it, really. Um, so you said you were people, from people, London? So you're born there? I'm from London. I was born in London, yeah. Um, but my, my father's from Mauritius, which is also a French-speaking uh, island um, in the Indian Ocean. And my mum's from the Caribbean. Um, but uh, very far from the French-speaking island of Haiti, which I know there's a lot of people from Haiti in your uh, your province of Canada, isn't there? Yeah, one of my yeah, yeah. One, one of my best friend is actually from there. So yeah, yeah exactly. So um, uh, a, a bit of Caribbean mix and uh, uh, Mauritian mix. So, uh, so I, what's I your? Like I like traveling around the world. <clears throat> so what's your upbringing like, Dave? You know, like the the in terms of you know like the the family three. You know, like any siblings. You know, like the the. Well, to give you an idea for you, for you personally, how you might have seen this, uh, I grew up in the 70s in London going to school and um, the part of London where I grew up was near the River Thames, near Tower Bridge and London Bridge, which most people heard about uh, through the, you know, it's quite an iconic part of London. But around that time, it was like old Montreal, uh, which has now been renovated, old Montreal when I was there. Uh, 15 years ago um, but it was run down docklands because no one used the docks you know the ship docks because you know things have been done differently maybe through aircraft car cargoes so it was very poor because it was uh, a lot of it was working class then or just a transition it's not working class anymore well not so much now because they've revamped or refurbished the place just like old um old Montreal, as I said. So I, I grew up really between poor to, to working class. Well, my, my dad was working class. He was, went from military to work in security for a very, very well-known museum. It's one of the head wardens there, uh, security wardens um, in the Victorian Albert Museum. Um, but my mum was more of a Caribbean sort of hard worker as well, but just became a house, house, housewife. So uh, with four kids, it was pretty tough growing up at that time with a lot of stuff going what on rank, around the 70s. What rank were you in those four uh, brothers and sisters? I was in the middle, roughly in the middle, really. So an older brother, myself, and then a, a sister, and then a younger brother. And 
um, you said that, you know, like you, 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 you lived and, and you, you had, you, you were bullied. Can you, can you elaborate on that? You know, like what was, you know, like what was your introduction to, cause you know, like most of the time I, I ask question about, you know, like the external source of authority, you know, like, so the first external source of authority is pretty much school, right? You know, like your teacher is your first time encountering someone that tells you what to do that, you know, That's like right, it's not yeah. your parent. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, when I uh, the the early days in school, um, uh, in what people Americans would call elementary school, but I would call um, I would call uh, uh, primary school. I don't know in Canada it's a mixture, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I didn't really have a good time, um, and then found out, you know. The teachers got harsh when I didn't read something properly um, and a few other more academic type stuff. And then um, I got embarrassed in front of like assembly. I, don't, I think you might call it the same. It's when the whole school's there, you know, when you sort of open up the school, got sort of publicly humiliated because of something that happened, you know, mainly academically. I've sort of covered it up by trying to sort of, you know, joke around to say oh yeah well you know laugh it off sort of thing as a kid when I found out in later life I had dyslexia it all made sense you know but it didn't help but when I went to secondary school well I was put in a special school for about a year um, when they didn't quite know it was dyslexia but it was kind of that sort of school for that the, behavior, the emotional side of it you could say of dyslexia <laughs> Um, I've found a way out by looking at trying to take up different sports. So I wasn't soccer is a big thing in the UK, but I wasn't so too great at that. But I looked at different sports which use my athletic ability. Then I found out I was a good runner. So track and field or athletics became an outlet for me. I did quite well um, in the transition between primary school and secondary school. And then um, it's from there that uh, I found sports and, and running in particular a good outlet and became quite good for my age in my country at that sport and traveled uh, you know internationally by the time i was about 16. so um that kind of everyone started respecting me more and the academic side in the secondary school the teachers started looking at me more favorably and tried to help i took extra lessons with english because you know i found i needed more help with grammar and you know spelling and that's where I really failed, but science and maths and practical stuff was easy for me. So that's, that's uh, where was my the... bullying my bullying came from that really more than anything. Um, although as a black guy around that time, there was some racism going on, as you can imagine, generally. Well, you heard about that black jogger that got shot. That's the kind of um, social kind of way of some people looked at it as well. And there was a lot of racism in, the, in London and UK around the seventies with that. And I mean, the difference was, um, I mean, it, it was almost to a level of xenophobia, you know, like it was, it wasn't just, um, it wasn't just racism. It was actually like the, you know, like my guess is that, you know, like was, was it a multicultural school at the time? Like, or you were pretty much in, like, in, oh. in primary school. Yeah. It was multicultural school. And then, um, secondary school i got i went eventually went to a school that wasn't as it isn't probably multicultural now but wasn't as multicultural then it was a conservative area a little bit more less working class more middle class um um, um and 
so that that probably had a factor as well yeah maybe a class issue um but yeah yeah i suppose maybe there's some xenophobia but that's more to do with nations neighboring nations now there's a lot of xenophobia because of the um issue with the european union so you you've you've lived that you you you've uh, the the can you can you explain you know, like what, what was the relation or the correlation between you know like the european you know like um the uh, european um yeah well it's, it's generally um uh if you're from a completely different well, I, i suppose xenophobia would be like quebec and canadians in general yep. and quebec <laughs> has more of a french side so it's a bit like that really or you know like even scotland and wales and ireland if they come to london or uk i should say somewhere they might experience a little bit of xenophobia especially irish people because when i was growing up they had a lot well it is racism as well it's bordering racism it's where you're from i mean someone would uh, scotland and wales belongs to uk and northern ireland actually belongs to the united kingdom and britain they're british but they could still experience some right some kind of racism but that's more xenophobia uh, someone yeah. from the, the republic of ireland it's a completely different country there was a lot of racism pointed at them when i was growing up as well um still probably is a little bit now a lot of irish jokes and things like that maybe it might be like that internationally so it's kind of like that really um so because now they're part of the european union that's it's you know it's kind of like looked upon the same as a different province so it's just different a united it's not a united states of europe but they would relate that more to xenophobia with what's going on now you know um with the the way the um brexit you could say is going yeah. on some, some people use immigration for, uh, as a reason beyond that I have to ask, you know, like, is there, you know, like, was there as well, like a relation between the fact that your roots were, um, you know, like, you know, like your parents' roots were actually from somewhere else and, 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 and yet your identity was, you know, like, British, uh, British. Um, yeah, yeah. did, did you, yeah. did, did you have even within yourself kind of, um, like a bit of tearing apart of you know like w w your own identity um not when i was at primary school for some reason it was more centered at me coping at school with what i was telling about which i eventually found out was dyslexia when i got diagnosed later in my life uh, adult life but um as uh, because it was more multicultural then but as i went to the, the school that was less black people there were less um people from ethnic minority backgrounds um i i did experience a lot of racism then because there's a lot going on then politically um so that made it you know from about the age of 13 14 12 13 14 i, I realized there was that side um Get which uh, started a bit of anger and a bit of not confusion just a bit of anger really that that was directed at me as well really But especially, I, I thought, especially I, in your teens i mean you're like you know like you, you, you know like that's pretty much all we got you know like it's testosterone i would say not violence right, but yeah, you know yeah. like that you know like that that it's like a, a volcano you know like just wanting it, wanting to explode it, it, that and also with the dyslexia it cut you know the bullying towards those two things uh yeah it did but i would say again it was more the personal bullying that was directed at me because that became a 
you know that I got that from all dire- all, all areas of life it wasn't you know that was just pointed at me as a person you know with the traits that comes with it really and some of the difficulties so I, I felt a little bit more cornered <laughs> than normal really so yeah. yeah you're right the testosterone that was developing when you know as you're maturing from in your teens from the age of 13 onwards yeah that that actually came in and I got into some fights because that what's that's what happens when the hormones start changing isn't it really yeah. it, it almost explodes like you say the volcanic side and I'm not really that sort of person but um, when I was 15 well even some, uh, a couple of teachers sort of said oh well, you know why don't you go to a boxing club I did go to a boxing club I, I, I've, I've, I was becoming one of the you know a very talented athlete on the track but trying other different sports you know, play football for my school eventually. Um, but then went to a boxing club when I almost went off the rail, went off the wagon as a, as a kid, almost didn't go to school. And then uh, it turned my life around because it gave me the fitness. It gave me the fight back that I needed physically and mentally and sort of helped me get back on track, really. Um, How did your brothers and sisters... Did, did they, you know, like, even though, you know, like the, you know, like, uh, unless you correct me, you know, like they, they did any of those of your siblings had dyslexia? Um, I think my brother, um, might've got it at an older age. Um, I'll have to ask him personally, if you don't mind me <laughs> mentioning, but, uh, I, otherwise, um, I probably, if looking back on it, I'll probably see that there might've been some traits, but I'm, I'm the only one that was majorly dis, uh, diagnosed with it because, Although I ended up leaving secondary school, just taking some extra lessons in English, some chorus, you know, what you call a, uh, online courses now, but it was correspondent course in those days, uh, or tutoring, extra tutoring. Um, I'm the only one that has sort of mainly found out about it, really, and explored it and looked at it in my family, yeah. I'll and probably how, know. how did they cope? You know, like, did they, did they live anything to the nature of what you've gone through um i wouldn't have thought so no no not really i maybe as i say uh maybe academically but uh we, we all sort of wanted to go to, sort of try and extend as far as possible with our education so um, and i mean you I, know like I just in terms of know. relating you know like just in terms of relating you know like was there any you know like you know like i'm, I'm you know like uh, was there any could 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 at the time you could find any other folks or friends that you know like were going through you know like the the kind of the shitstorm you were go, going through um yeah uh i i couldn't really answer that too much i couldn't really answer that too much really um i'd have to ask them as well i'd have to ask them personally if they don't mind talking about it as well really just in case yeah for sure yeah. At the same time, you know, like that, you know, like even, you know, like, did you have, you know, like many friends, you know, like that, you know, like that you could, that you could actually, you know, like share that, that, cause you know, like, I, I, you know, like there, there are a few, you know, there are a few things that, you know, like comes into mind, right? Like the first one is what was the bullying like, you know, like actually, you know, like what, you know, like was there, um, like, like almost like group of people you know, like trying to fuck you up or, you know, like, uh, and excuse yeah. my, you know, excuse my no, language. No, no, but, you know, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've been around people that swear all the time, the sort of environment I've been around, even my dad, he's a swear, but that's just the way it is, you know, ex-military being in the fire service, you know. Um, I got that. Yeah. I've got the, it, where it got to a point where it was almost a hate crime, that sort of trying to 
you know. Jeez. Um, but um, that's just the way it kind of evolves, really. It's just, you know, it, when someone's being bullied sometimes, it, it almost goes too far to to that point. But I just had this kind of thing in my mind. I don't know, maybe I had that because I had the way I was just diagnosed my dyslexia. I had this kind of high way of working things out. Um <laughs> That's just what part of the assessment where, well, anyway, the IQ tends to be higher than the academic side. And it's like, how does that work out? That's one of the things they measure. But anyway, I, t- I, try, I, I worked my way out of that, which is why I probably went into sports and firefighting and that. <laughs> just sort of using that side rather than the academic side to, to work your Pretty way out. Pretty much a survival, a like a survival method, you know, like, like. Yeah, yeah. But that kind of like where it sort of shut the bullies up a bit, it kind of, and I, you know, I always learned to fight back. It, it kind of wound them up more so it's like, all right let's get this is like war now and let's let's get dave palmer that sort of thing and it got that like a little bit in the fire service as well unfortunately it's almost a strategy thing and sort of galvanating some of the senior managers and some of the people that are on my side and people that weren't you know that sort of stuff and it became political in that in that sense um as i say it became more than than dealing with the racism side of what I experienced when I was younger, which is around anyway. People know it's around, but I did. I, it, it became personal for me because of something that was more than beyond that, really. And in terms of, you know, like your, your, your well-being, you know, like do, do you, did, do you, looking back, think you experienced some kind of, you know, like either depression or burnout or even like a suicidal thoughts and you know because you know like the teens are you know like are are really like um delicate times you know, like where you're you're trying to find yourself you're trying to identify yourself you're trying to relate to others um yeah so um i, I think that me just taking up the path of sports um, because academic wasn't really <laughs> a good part to take out as part of my schooling life, but I did sort of do as well as I could do. And I eventually ended up with a degree when I went to study in my older age, in my early 30s. But um, I picked up some good friends when I, you know, took up uh, track running and then I became quite good at that. So I, I developed good friends from there, but I, I did get some teasing from there as well, but not as bad as um you know from the school side of things because they respected you know you work as a team more even in individual sports you still have a team that you actually travel with and try to earn points for your club so that that became beyond going to just a youth club a community youth club because it became international for me you know i eventually made international friends from it um how did it come into your life you know like how did this well when I, uh, as I said, I, I stopped sports when I was 15, when I felt the bullying was too much. And I, I, I sort of sort of went away from s- school for a couple of weeks and then s- s- got fed up even with trying to go to my athletics club because that was my main sport. And then, um, you know, uh, teachers and adults around my life then tried to get me back into it. Um, but the teasing was around both, actually, because... Um, oh, where I wasn't as good as, you know, my soccer skills wasn't high enough to be part of the team to do that. Maybe part of it was, you know, the bullying from not getting into team, but they draw me into that. And then I got into the B team of my soccer school soccer team. But um, I just found that when I was going through the years just after leaving school, um, when I didn't do my sports, if I got injured or whatever, 
I was getting the self-esteem side of me got me sucked into the life of the bullies, you know, where they wasn't really doing great stuff. Um, I mean, I didn't mind partying. That's part of growing up in your adolescence years. But I ended up getting sucked into parties where it wasn't compatible with the life I led, you know, doing sort of the sports side of things and the fitness side of things. So there was two lives almost going on. You know, it's like oh, I'm pulling away from that bad party inside and, you know, the, the, the sort of maybe drinking and smoking and some, you know, split, split smoking. It sort of, yeah. you know, and then sort of say, no, this is the athletics and this is the way my coach is teaching me how to eat properly and sleep properly and train and get fit properly and focus your mind on a goal. So I was kind of like almost getting torn into two lives, but my sports, my ability, my natural ability was good enough to, to get respected from my club and the, the, my peers around the team. You, you know, even some that I met from my school days, they, they were like my school friends, really, and pulling me away from that life a bit, really. But we all had that. Even some adolescent, um, talented sports people almost had the struggle of getting away from that party life as well, you know because you have to be dedicated if you're a really good sports person as well as a youngster that's how it goes really did it change uh like almost immediately um you 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 talk about self-esteem but you know like did it change almost immediately the way you um you you felt about yourself or looked at yourself or 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 you know like the the Which is pretty much self-esteem, but you're know, like, I, 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 I want to understand, you know, like the kind of the process of it, you know, like the, you know, like the, the, um, yeah, I mean, as I say, uh, I didn't understand much. I didn't understand much about bullying or dyslexia or anything like that. that was, those, those weren't labels when I was going through all that stuff. I just found when looking back on it, I found that I, it was a, a good tonic to take up sports for me at that time. If someone else, it might be arts, you know, they, they create, they express those feelings through art. I, I wasn't art, artistic, you know, I can't paint and draw you know, to, to really make a living or do anything. You know, I can't do that, but sports was my outlet and it helped. And the fitness levels from it and the endorphins and everything else that came with it and the self-esteem that I, I was actually quite good, you know, for my level around the country and sort of almost made international level, Or I did make international level. Just how far you know, did you get? You know, like I uh, have well, to I competed answer. at the Commonwealth Games, but that was for my Caribbean, my mum's side of my Caribbean's eventually. But I did the British Olympic trials when I was in my sort of early teens and under twenties, under twenty threes. So I, as a as a junior, I was quite high up, you know, in the country. But Damn. as a senior, yeah. So as a senior, that I had that ability to be able to rub shoulders with Olympic athletes. I, I always did. I was all, I was a, always around Olympic athletes from, as I say, my early teens. So that's what actually gave me two lives, you know, from the, the underground partying nasty people that wanted to really sort of, even if they didn't care about me, they say, yeah, come on, Dave. You know, it's, it's like having a devil on your one shoulder and an angel on another. <laughs> it's like that, really. Um, and and, so and you, you, you're it, becoming it, like a, a new person, totally. Yeah, it was it was shaping me. And then uh, when I got in the fire service, I, I I knew that was my way of keeping fit. That was my favorite way of keeping fit. Well, you know, you, um, you you can't survive in that type of job without some level of fitness, obviously. So, so that was a new life for me again when I joined the fire service, and I enjoyed my career. But the bullying was in those days was fostered so heavily. You know, um, it was all over the organization, just like the military. And I think the police had that and some racism as well, they found out in, in the UK anyway. 
Um, so this is in the eighties. Oh, sorry, in the nineties. Um, just yeah, late eighties, early nineties. So I that's when I joined the fire service in nineteen ninety. Um, so and I was fighting an organisational level of it or an institutional level of fully discrimination to, and a little bit of racism. I have to ask, you know, like you, you're in the Philippines right now, but you know, like what oh, yeah, has yeah. brought you traveling um, around the world? Yeah, well, I did a lot of traveling when, uh, initially when I was doing my sports, either going to training camps with my, my squad, my training group that I was with to, you know, get warm weather training, usually to Portugal or somewhere like that. And then uh, I did my first international in Paris. That was the first international country I went to, <laughs> actually, when I was 16. So, uh, and then just ended up doing traveling and, you know, really through my sports. But then I started taking holidays. I think I had some friends, uh, some family in, uh, in New York. So I visited them when I was in, you know, my late teens, early 20s. And then it was a mixture of both. And then I, when I was working, I took some nice holidays, even with a then girlfriend or even by myself, really, when I wanted to do some traveling, you know, sort of a bit like backpacking for five weeks, that sort of stuff, you know. But most of it was through sports, I'd say. Even when I went to your country in uh, Montreal and Quebec, I did the World Police and Fire Games there, which was in 2005, actually, um, which is like a sports competition for police and fire, uh, firefighters. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, we know about this. You know, like it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's. So I didn't. Uh, well, I didn't know it was worldwide traveled to participate in. I thought it was more like regional. But yeah, um, yeah. Um, oh, I had a time of my life uh, when I was there, so it's a really great place. Anyone that's from uh, wants to visit Quebec, <laughs> I'll certainly say go there in Montreal. I didn't quite get to Toronto, but I heard it's a lot like London and New York. A bit more of a, more of an international global city. Oh, where, exactly. You know, like there, yeah. there's something more, or maybe a bit less historic about it. Yeah. Um, and but where, it's very like, nice. You, you mentioned old part and old Montreal. You know, like there, those are places that you know, like are really um, that you know, like has is sedu seduces. It, it you know, like you tourists. Yeah. Yeah, there's something about the footprint of it that you know, like it it, it smells and looks like you know, like the the. Where people yeah, have yeah. landed, and, pretty much. Um, I was there also when the jazz festival was on. Um, so that's huge. Oh, that my was God. A huge thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, usually about. summer is festivals. You know, like it, it, it's festival. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If it's not that, it's just for laugh or for comedy. And, you know, like if it's not that, it's it's something else. You know, like there's jazz. There's the French Francofolie, which is like the, the, like the French arts festival. And then it's just for laugh. And then, you know, like so... All summer long, it's festival uh, fest, you know, like it, 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 in, 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 in downtown Montreal. So summers are usually and historically been fantastic to be in. Um, God knows where that, you know, <laughs> God knows what's going to happen with that. Most of them have been canceled. They've called, all, you know, like they've called that already, but, um, yeah, I mean, like it's summertime is fantastic place to be in Montreal. You know, like it's really. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, that, that's a place I'd, I'd really like to go back and visit, but actually I'll probably travel to, um, Vancouver. I've got some friends in Vancouver. Well, that, that they were living in London, but they've moved back and, and, and stuff like that. That's where I'd like to go as well. And maybe hit Tro Toronto just to say, well, I've gone to the New York 
part Bucket of list. Canada. But, <laughs> 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 um, you know, I'd have to travel with the family this time so rather than on my own, or unless it's, it's business or sports related, which obviously I'm retired now <laughs> from all that. What's the lesson learned? You know, like that, you know, like, cause, cause, you know, like that, the, um, when, when well, I, when, when I, I hear that, that I, I, like, I, I, I published, yeah, I published a book, uh, called Firefighting from Within because I put some of my personal lives, my early life, what I spoke about on this just now on your, your show. Um, but I also experienced towards my later life, um, where I, I didn't do sports much anymore. And I actually came off the fire truck to try and do some promotion and in another department towards the end of my career, fire service career, where I was temporarily promoted, but then went through some bereavement. You know, I had a lot of family deaths like mother, father, brother, and um, the culmination of some of the bullying before I found out about my dyslexia, which I found out I got diagnosed in 2005, just just before I went to Quebec, actually. Um, so all that was all brewed up at that point in my life. And um, that's when I started increasing more the alcohol. The, the devil came back, the party and devil came back. So I will just drink to make you feel better, your self-esteem and everything else. Um, and also there were some symptoms of post-traumatic stress. I went to a few bad incidents. Um, so it wasn't just the bullying. It was obviously dealing with the stress of firefighting, which now I found out suicide and post-traumatic stress is a big issue now in those types of jobs. So having nightmares and flashbacks, I didn't even understand none of those. <clears throat> and then it's only in recent years I started exploring it. So when I did retire, finally, um, just a few years back, um, I continued having it in my retired life. And then I, the increase of alcohol incre increased more because I wasn't doing none of that. So, you know, I, I, even my, my fitness started going, although that was inbuilt in my system to still go jogging and do my strength training and stuff like that. It wasn't, there wasn't no structure to it like when I was doing the sport or when I was around a fire service kind of culture of keeping fit. And then I, the, the flashbacks, it got worse and scary. And then um, I, I contacted a charity called a firefighter charity in the UK and went back up, traveled back to London because I retired out in the Philippines. It was going to be the Caribbean, but uh, my wife's from the Philippines and I've got a little child out there. So, um, <laughs> Went back to London, did some rehab work with the firefighter charity and did some mindfulness and stuff like that. And it got me back into that track of the sports that, you know, where the angels on your shoulder. <laughs> and then I, it gave me a little thing to, to sort of install back in my life um, where it keeps, me, you know, post-traumatic stress and that can happen to anyone, actually. And then it brings up the, 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 the theme, the general theme in my life where this is really what I should have kept going which worked for me, a strategy and coping strategies that worked. Yeah. And, and so you, you, you actually were telling me that you, you're doing some coaching now. Um, can you, can you ex tell me well, a bit about it? You know, like, yeah. the, you know, like the, my interest yeah. in coaching came obviously from the sports side first. So I was doing some sports coaching stuff anyway, when I, while I was in the fire service. And then when I got promoted a little bit, I looked at the, the managerial coaching side, because that's what happens with some of the promotion training, as well as doing a job specific stuff like fire, promoting fire safety. So that, that, that idea of coaching came up and it, the life coaching was just kind of new. So it, actually was derived from sports coaching, which was the only form of coaching before that, but the, the kind of coaching that's around now. 
So I'll combine the two. It's a bit like personal training wasn't around when I first took up sports, um, but now personal training is kind of, you know, a form of fitness coaching that came from sports and fitness coaching. Um, so my interest in that when I left and when I looked after myself a bit from the rehab work from the firefighting coaching, I thought, well, oh, you've got to look after your life as well, you know. <laughs> um, and most firefighters should do that as well. And any any in any kind of helping profession, look after your life as well, because uh, you know, even with this coronavirus that's going around now, some of the health workers are now looking at themselves because they're getting attacked by it, and that they're vulnerable as well. But they they've got to look at keeping themselves fit and healthy you know, from stress and the physical side of things as much as the patients they're looking after. So that's the kind of coaching I was looking at as well as the fitness side. It's a, it's a holistic, looking at holistically everything. And even some, you know, I've, I've sort of around a lot of entrepreneurial people now because even doing stuff that was self-employed myself, um, you look at it as a business as well. Um, exactly. So. And, 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 you know, like the, the approach, you know, like after talking to a few people, um, the approach is pretty much, there's, there's a lot of similarities in terms of, you know, like the, the professional, you know, like business coaching and the sports coaching and the, you know, like personal life coaching. Yeah, that's right. So mine's a combination of all of that. Um, so, um, I would say that, People say, look at your niche or avatar, if you like. I'm, I suppose I'm talking to ex-athletes and, you know, people in jobs like, they call them tactical athletes, but it's like military, police, fire jobs where you have to be fit as well, like an athlete. So um, that that's partially, but I'm not around that um, circles as much, although I do have a lot that I network with still, you know, online and people still sort of, you know, I have friends from there. But um, I've been around a lot of business and entrepreneurial type people. So they're the people. And I started playing golf and, you, you know, there's a lot of kind of business orientated people around that environment now. Um, so that's the people I'm reaching out to, really. Um, but I would say when I go online, you know, I'll get a whole mixture of lots of people that respect me and, and look at what I'm doing. Um, so from my network, it's, it's a combination of a lot of people from all walks of lives. Um, I've been going into schools, inspiring people with my career and what I've done, um, for a charity called, um, inspiring the future. You know, some, some big organizations still say, Oh, you know, a couple have asked me, can you do a fire safety talk here? And, you know, I've done that internationally as well. So I suppose really it's a mixture, a mixed bag of my own collection of experience people ask me to go out and speak to, to audiences from, from young and working and business to people like myself who's been into the sports and fitness world as well. So, yeah. And, and, and so for all of my listeners, you know, like, uh, Dave is going to provide me with you, know, like the link of his book and the link to how to reach him. If you, if you, you know, like you'd like to get, you know, like, uh, you know, like some of his show coaching and help, you know, like, so, so, um, it's, it's all going to be provided in the podcast episode description. So don't uh, okay, worry yeah. about it. Well, I mean, I, I, a lot of my podcasts now I put straight onto my blog website blog, which is Dave Palmer spelled D A V E P A M A H dot com. Um, but there is a my book itself is, is on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, a lot of online 
bookstores so you can actually um, pre-order it from an actual physical bookstore but not now i don't advise you to go now <laughs> to a bookstore nope. Um, nope. but uh, yeah you can get it from many big online stores and even i think smaller ones it's on the um i forgot what they call it now but ingram i think it is network which puts it internationally distributed online and offline to physical and online bookstores around the world so you could basically you can go straight to amazon if you want to just google it straight away and then find out how to get it yourself locally downloaded um and as i say my website's got my my podcasts that i do myself um and i'll certainly put this one on my blog as well um and promote it around on my social media so yeah datepalmer.com and uh any any advice you would give to anyone that's going through something you know like any any shape or form similar to what you've gone through yeah i mean my book really t it talks about uh, more about embracing adversity and and sort of um just building the resilience to get through it i just talk about different scenarios in my life and I, it was co-authored by a motivational speaker in amazon uh in arizona um but uh it really focus gets you focused on life really irrespective of what adversities you're going through and i know the whole world is going through some sort of adversity now but it's looking at those obstacles and just keep focused and uh you know doing the right thing that's really what i would give just keep focused do the right thing it's hard with the stress if you're going through terrible times you know we we, we all know that um but uh as the the saying says there is light you know at the end of the other end of the tunnel you know so um set that goal and uh know that there's a the way through the turbulence or rough waves you could be going through really just embrace it and, and get through it Awesome, Dave. You know, like you know, like I, I, you know, like I had a blast talking with you. Like for me, it's it's just um, you know, like it, 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 the the going reborn on situation. You know, like it's what I'm looking at. You know, like it's what, what I'm looking for. You know, like so. So yeah. that's precisely what you what you just describe. And you know, like I'm I'm guessing what your books describes as well. You know, like and and then again, you know, like for listeners, you know, like that. You know, like they're gonna, they're gonna be able to find a book in the in the description of the episode. So yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, basically, the 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 book describes what I've you know a bit more about what I described on the show here, um, and uh, more of my you know given. Analogy, analogy from the firefighting perspective or sports even perspective it's called firefighting from within um but um the um podcast goes a little bit more and the coaching is an extension from the book so uh when you get hit the website you'll probably see more you know of an elaboration of what i've spoke about on this show awesome i want to thank you for your time dave um you know like uh and you know like uh yeah i mean like it, it was a, it was a it was quite appreciated for you to take the time to sit and talk with me you're welcome thanks very much for having me all right cheers thanks yes thanks bye bye, bye. bye.